Mammoth Hello and welcome to Movie Autopsy. I'm Paul Culliver. And I'm Anthony McCormack. 30 years since the last instalment. I tell you what, this fourth entry has a lot of people buzzed, Paul. And it has men's rights activists really angry. That can only be a good sign. The movie we're talking about today is... Mad Max Fury Road. That Max, he's so mad. Well, that was my complaint. I, you know, I, I'm not a big complainer. But the the first three movies, and I, like, I have a, I've, I've, pro- I've seen them. Not the first one. I've seen two and three. <laughs> I've seen all the films except for one of the three. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen all three of them except for one third. But, um... But, like, you hear the name Mad Max, and you think, oh, okay, you're going to see it, and he's going to be mad. Yeah. And you see it, and he's quite rational. Like, people come up against him, and he's like, I'm going to deal with you sensibly and logically. Mm. Like, I, you know, and I'm like, did I miss something? Maybe I missed something in number one. Maybe number one is the problem, that I haven't seen it, and that's why he's called Mad Max, is because of everything you haven't seen in number one, Anthony. I mean, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, he fucks some people up after in number one. But that's what I like about this one. It's it's kind of like you get like the young kids growing up and they're they're like they're old hipsters now and they work at the studio like they're someone's kid or whatever. And like George Miller is like making number four and they're like, yeah, the one thing I never got when I was growing up is why they call him Mad Max. (laughs) And, And in this one, he's actually a bit mad. Like you see him like. Going like vision. Oh, you're saying he's mad in two and three, but you don't see it, but he is mad in this one. Well, there, there's two takes that you can take on mad. Number one, it's an action movie, so Max is getting mad, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like hulking up, like he's going to take everybody on and, right. and shoot them and kill them and, you know, whatever number one was, he's going to do that to them all over again. Yeah. Or there's the second, you know, interpretation which is uh, Max does not have a good handle on reality. Right. Uh, not very PC. You know, surely we can find a more a better term for for poor Max in his mental condition. Yeah. But, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, that's I I enjoyed that they sort of brought that in that he has like these you know, what would you call them visions and they they sort of interact with him as well like it's well, like hallucinations even. Well, at, at one point, what I thought was really cool, um, there's a point in the movie where, like, there's a there's a little girl. I think it's his daughter. Mm. The memory of his daughter. Did mm. he did he have a daughter? And I, I know he had a wife. I thought it was a son. That's what's son. confusing. I thought that was a, a guy on screen. Or maybe it is a guy. You know, <laughs> a little I, boy. I, I know the little boy from number two. I spent the entire Mad Max two thinking that it was a little girl, and I think it ended up being a little boy. Right. So, I mean, that's the kind of dystopian future we're looking at, Paul. You can't tell anymore. But uh, they they put the little child that he keeps seeing, hallucinating, yeah. puts their hand up at one point, and he does the same thing, like, to stop them whacking his forehead or, or whatever. And then he's looking at his hand as though to say, oh, what's going on there? <laughs> and and that, just as a moment in and of itself, was brilliant. Was I loved it. But then later on in the movie, it was a call back to it where, like, during a, you know, fight on top of the war rig and someone shoots some kind of bolt at Mad Max and he suddenly gets the vision again and he puts his hand up again and it's the thing that saves his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, to me, was just like, I wanted to take that moment from the screen and just, like, screw it up into a little ball, put it in my pipe. (laughs) <laughs> and smoke it Smoke it Smoke it You would smoke it I, I'm not a smoker I'm not that kind of You know That's not my pastime But I just wanted to take that moment Put it in a pipe and smoke it Alright What did you think of Mad Max Fury Road? Well we've just been to see it And holy moly Holy shit That was uh, 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 Wow Wow <laughs> So we're going to be talking uh, in depth uh, about Mad Max Fury Road because we've just seen it. We're going to talk about it as if you've seen it. So there's going to be spoilers, but the best way for there to be no spoilers is if you've seen the movie. So we've just seen it. Yeah. So we're fresh out. There's already some reviews floating around, but this is our our interpretation, our experience. I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah. I think this is... I walked out of that being like, I don't... You know, there's so many blockbusters coming this year. You got Jurassic World, you got Star Wars, you got Ant-Man, you got all those movies. I don't think one of them, one of them is going to live up to this. I uh, There were things I really enjoyed about it. There, I, I didn't... I don't feel that I enjoyed a lot of people like 100%, you know? Yeah. Everything that's in that movie. I there were one or two things that I held back. All right. And when when I reflect on it now, I, there's only really one scene that I can pick on, and and this is so nitpicky because it's in the movie. Like I'm not complaining about oh this wasn't in, even in the movie. Yeah, it's in there, but it's like one scene that I feel like there was so much emphasis on like the 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 action and the vehicles and the guns and the everything going on. And this is like the pivotal scene of the movie because they've come all this way on the war rig. Yeah. And they're, they're splitting off, you know, Charlize Theron and her girls, girl power, are heading off on the yeah, bikes. Yeah, that's the group's name. <laughs> yeah. I think they're like the, the Vuvalina or something. Yeah, Vu- like- Vuvalina. I remember not reading it as Vuvalina. <laughs> I remember reading it as something else going, oh, well, that's a bit. You know, in your face. That's a bit blatant to call them that. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Vuvalina. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but um, um, so they're headed off. And Max, right, is prepared to leave them to, you know, they're not going to do well in the direction that they're headed. Mm. And then he has his little hallucination again. And that, that that's interesting that it was the hallucination that kind of drives him to, you know, mm. do the right thing, as Spike Lee would say. So, he catches up with them, and this that is the scene that I, I thought was weaker than it should have been, because he basically has to convince these people, hey, you know what, let's go back. Mm. And, like, there are so many shades of wrong with that plan. Like, it... <laughs> It is a mad plan. Like, number one, let's go back to where we just escaped from. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Number two, you know, Megan Gale saying, oh, it'll take us so long to go a different way. And he's like, no, 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 the same way. We're just going to go straight (laughs) back through them. And it's like, okay. (laughs) But but I think my issue with the scene was that, like, it makes a great action movie and it's, you know, you get the heroes coming up against the villains again, but there's no resistance to this mad plan whatsoever. Like, at no point do the Vuvulinos... (laughs) (laughs) At no point do they say, um, no. You know what I mean? Like, he's all like, they're prepared. This is the strength of their conviction. They are prepared to travel. I think they said 160 days yeah. in the wrong direction. Like, like in other words, there's probably not going to be anything out there, but we're going to travel the full 160 days because we can. Mm. Like, they are prepared to go to their deaths, right, in that direction, in right. the wrong direction. Right. And he comes up and he says, nah, back. And they go, oh, okay. Well, that's the whole point. They're willing to die in 160 days, and his argument is, look, either die in 160 days or die tomorrow, but like, like instead I, of dying tomorrow, we might have the Citadel. I agree with the logic of, like, the logic is you want to go somewhere that's green and has water, and the, the big scary man with the teeth isn't there. And what is the place that you know, A, is green, B, has water, and C... The big man with the scary teeth isn't there. Yeah. And it's like the Citadel. Better the like, devil you know. Yeah. So, like, I agree with, with there was, there's a way you You think can- there should have been, like, one person that went, ah, oh, this seems not right. And then, and then Charlize Theron would be like, nah, he's all right. Let's do it. I, ju- I just, there was something about that scene where it was like, this is like, you are people who have escaped from the fire- and you're asking them to go right back into the fire, mm. and they go, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, there was something, like, I, like it's all there on the page. Like, you, ha- you say to yourself, it's a good plan, because they end up back at that. I don't want to give anything away, but they end up back at the <laughs> Citadel. <laughs> things. People yeah. listening have seen the film. And it's, and it's all good. Yeah. But see, the other thing is, they end up back at, this is what drives me nuts. Or mad, as you <laughs> <might>. <laughs> They end up back at the Citadel, and it's all good, 
because they've got the guy, he, he's, he's no longer alive, and they've mm. got him under a sheet, and they pull back the sheet, and they go, here he is. That wasn't part of their original plan. Like, Ma- Mad Max. No. Mad Max is not showing them the map, saying, we go back to the Citadel, and also, on the way, we kill the big guy with the scary teeth, and we bring him along with us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when they show up at that the was Citadel- a happy, Yeah, I mean, it's a happy coincidence. Well, like, not coincidence, but a happy happening. Like, he shows them the map, but he might as well be showing them the script, you know what I'm saying? He's, like, <laughs> laying the script out, saying- I reckon we go back. And they're like, why? What? How How would that possibly serve us, Max? He's like, look, look, the very last page. We're back in the Citadel and we've got the dead guy's body with us and everybody's real happy. See us. Is it Immortal Joe or Immortal? I, I saw. I think it's Immortan. Yeah, because like I, I saw end. that written and I was like, is that a typo? <laughs> yeah. Or is he immortal? Is he Because uh, I, uh, yeah, I heard. Immortal at some point during the movie, and then I heard Joe, and you get, a lot of people call him Daddy, po- possibly his sons, because he's actually their father's, yeah, <laughs> his father, yeah. And I, d- I do get the sense, like with the with the baby, the Angus Sampson, f- um, what would you what would you call that? Uh, uh, manages to, s- um, he doesn't really save it, does he? I, it's was more the, of a well. It's it's a C section and a, a, fail, yeah, a failed C section. A failed C section. You've given me the language. That's brilliant. Um, and he he gets this baby and he goes, "This would have been like a you know a, a, a normal average child." Yeah. And you get the sense that like you've got um, Quinton um, is one of his children, and I really like what the movie did with disability because you got Quinton in there. You've got um, Charlize Theron doesn't have a hand, mm. and it's like. In the Mad Max universe, these people are like, these people have to be exceptional. Like, they are mm. not being given any shortcuts whatsoever. So, I, you don't really see Quentin that much, but I, you look, see him looking through a telescope and and his father listens to him. Like, he's like, Dad, you got to look at what I'm looking at. Yeah. And that the father, it, you know, it's not a Tywin Lannister kind of situation of, you're the son of mine kind of thing going on. <laughs> Well, it seemed like it was a bit of a... They had him and there's another character, or it wasn't really a character so much as a guy with a big hood that kind of gave me like a callback to Master and Blaster from Beyond the Thunderdome. It seemed a similar kind of roles. I really liked Master and Blaster in in Beyond Thunderdome. And can can I give it away? Are people going to be sad if I give away the Master Blaster, you know, the plot, basically? (laughs) Go for it. it. Just do it. Because it, it's Master, which is a, sh- a, l- a short guy, and he's the brains. And Blaster, who is a big, muscly, brawny guy, but he's a little bit behind in the brain stakes. Yeah, he's actually developmentally challenged. And Master actually, actually sits on Blaster's shoulders. And Max ends up, in, in the course of things, having to take on Blaster in the Thunderdome of the title. Yeah. And there's a fourth Mad Max movie. So, how do you think that turns out for Blaster? I'm <laughs> just saying. It doesn't turn out well for Blaster. Well, it's not Mac, not by Max's hand, though. Oh, uh, well, that's, you know, it's been a while since I've seen number three. <laughs> but what's brilliant is, like, before Blaster goes down... It's kind of like this, like King Kong or Godzilla. Like the second they go down, you feel sorry for them. You know what I mean? But as long as they're alive, you're like, you are terrible. You, you're bad. You're ruining our city, Godzilla. And and I don't like that at all. <laughs> um, and and you feel that about Blaster. You feel sad for him after he goes down. But you also feel that about Master because like suddenly there's this guy. Who has a brain on him. He, he knows what he's doing. Mm. He knows what he's talking about. But he has no recourse in this world whatsoever. Yeah. Like, like yeah. he is not going to be cared for forevermore. Um, which, yeah, that that exactly what you're talking about. Like, there, there are two sons. Are there more than two? I think, well, there's, there's Rictus Erectus, the huge guy who I think is like an Australian bodybuilder yeah. guy. Who he's one of the last guys they're fighting on the war rig at the end. Right. Uh, just that huge, really tall guy. So, well, is there, there's Quinton and there's Rictus Erectus. Yeah. Is Rictus Erectus the same one I'm thinking of that he seemed a bit slow? 
Uh, yeah, I think he wa- was. I'm saying there's that was so many. That's the amazing. You know, I I mean, I'm not going to be able to pinpoint every single character. But what's amazing is the fact that this this movie is the fourth installment in a in a in a franchise. Mm-hmm. In a whether you call it a franchise, a series, a quadrilogy, and yet so that's a made up word. You know, that's a made up word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good. But what's funny is that it's the fourth one. And effectively, Mad Max is the only one we really know anything about, and yet they introduce so successfully just so- It's just a cast of characters. Yeah. All with- I don't know, it's just amazing how how many creative, interesting, colourful characters they are able to introduce in this movie. It- and yet still for it to be just so action-packed. Like, yeah. how do you- It was like from minute one to the final minute, it was action- Yep. And yet still character-driven. Like, w- how? How did they do that? What I really loved about it, it had that Sergio Leone Western kind of feel to it, where it's like every single character is the hero of their own movie. Yeah. But, but they're all- it was like once upon a time in Australia kind of thing. Erectus Erectus was the one where he went, I, w- <laughs> I was going to have a brother! <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is the one that I'm thinking of. So, yeah. so you kind of get a sense that this Amorton, Amorton, Amortan, this big <laughs> Immortan, Immortan, please. Uh, I'm Mortan. Big tooth guy is um, is is kind of unhappy. There, there's like an unspoken kind of thing of like he's looking for a an average normal child. As opposed to, he's not happy with the ones he's got. Maybe that's right, that's, right. that's the wants, vibe I'm picking he up. Wants, he wants better kids, more with, perfect kids. Which is it? And and you know, maybe you know, I don't know. It's interesting that that's never explicitly stated in the movie, and yeah. yet that's the vibe that you kind of pick up. And I like the Immortan Joe, Daddy, Papa. Mm. Uh, at, at you, you see him at the start, and there's a little bit of a Darth Vader thing going on. Yeah, <laughs> where you see that he's gross, and then they put the suit on, and he he looks like he's a badass. He looks terrifying. I um, I, was it King Henry the Eighth that had six wives? It sounds like something. Something he'd like do. that. Whichever one had all the wives, right? You know yeah. how like none of them could bear him kids, and so he had them all executed. Well, it was a uh, son. No, none of them were bearing a son. Oh, they were bearing children. Uh, I believe that they were uh, bearing daughters, and he's like, "Well, off with your head." Well, the parallel I've got to draw is that it's like he's trying to find a perfect child, and so he's going around impregnating all these women. When he doesn't realize the problem is not the women. <laughs> The yeah. problem is him. He yeah. is a disgusting we, we, and that uh, was cesspool the, of genes. Well, that was the case with Henry VIII as well, wasn't it? Where, right. like, the actual gene, or, or whatever it is, the reason that he was only yeah, getting exactly, daughters exactly. is him. So that's what, Yeah, so that's why I was getting that kind of vibe. I didn't get all the historical facts right, but it's like a bit of a King, King Henry thing going on there. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, modern show, like, the reason every, all your kids are a bit... Messed up. It's, it's your fault. Yeah. It's your fault. It's your sperm. It's the tragedy of a Morton Joe, this movie, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, it's interesting because we just read an interesting article on Cracked all about... Because there's got to be all these big blockbusters. There's going to be so many special effects. But this one, pretty much everything is a practical effect. Almost. Yeah, yeah almost everything. There's a few things here and there where you like, they probably sweeten that. And obviously, there's a lot of extreme colour grading going on. And there's all sorts yeah. of things. But the actual effect... They actually built these trucks and they went out into the Namibian desert and wrecked some trucks and, and that, some cars. They, they feel very custom. Like, I am not a car person. But I got the sense from the first three movies that it's like, you know, like, I haven't seen number one. That's We've already established that. But I get the sense <laughs> it's like, who here has a car? And it's like, Barry. Barry has a car. What kind of car is it, Barry? Oh, it's a pretty good car. Can we use it? Like, I get the sense that's that's what's going on with yeah, number one. Yeah, a little one. bit, yeah. And then, like, number two, it's like, okay, remember that car that Barry had? We're going to need two of those. <laughs> right? And and then, like, number, you go on to number three, and there's, like, a few more cars. But at, at, no, at no point during the three movies did I ever feel like, oh, they made a car from Sky, like a Batmobile. You know what I mean? They well, They didn't go out and design something... Right. Well, I guess because all these, all the, all the cars in this universe, the idea is they're real car. They were real cars at one point. Yeah, they they're leftovers from when yeah. life was good. Yeah. Whereas in this one, what I really like is it, and, and it's 
taking that same logic, like these are leftover cars, but it's like take a little bit from there and a little bit from here yeah, and put yeah. it together into a supercar. I will say the one thing I like, and I think it's happened in probably two and three as well, is that Mad Max, the number of times Mad Max has been like captured and then something happens to his car and the car will like trundle past him. He's like, that's my car. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Like the number of times the car just, he's like, that's my car. Like, guys, guys, that's my car. Can I have my car back? It got totaled. And it's so like, it's almost to the point where he needs, I, I, I like, I think of like a Majora's Mask kind of thing. Right. Where at the end of... It's a, a Legend of Zelda thing where... Yeah. Oh, I know the game. I'm yeah, just yeah, curious yeah. as to know where you're going with this. Where uh, it, you start on day one. Yeah. And then you go day two, day three, and then you go back to day one. And everything goes back to zero again. Right. And I feel like that's what's going on with Mad Max. And I feel there are things that you can do in Majora's Mask, like you get like like a fire arrow, for example... And then you go back to day one and you still have the fire arrow. So you can access like an area on day one that you couldn't All right. access on day one before. Okay. If people have never played Majora's Mask, you basically keep replaying the same three days over and over. Which I feel is what's going on with Man Max. Like, like his, his three days that he keeps living over and over is like, he's, he, he doesn't want any trouble. He's just passing through. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to give you trouble. Yeah, he and does then get a lot of trouble. He gets so much trouble. He's just passing through. He doesn't want trouble. But he always, he always leaves the people that he encounters happier. That's the amazing thing some people yeah. die inevitably people die good oh, and bad yeah. but uh he uh he helps people out and i like that about max but you know what's no but see you you're thinking about it in terms of repeating i like it in terms of they don't explain like every story is separate but watching the fourth film you can go in and so many people will go see that fourth film not having seen any of the others yeah and even perhaps being put off like they'll see I, the number of people that'll go see four and absolutely love it. They go back and want to watch one and be like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like nothing like it. Yeah. Um, but what I really like is the weight of knowing his his past and having seen those three other stories, and the fact that this is set, I think, something like twenty years later. Or but, even more. That, so that, yeah. It's that weight of knowing everything that Max has gone through. Like, he has gone through hell and back. Yeah. And then this story starts. Like, it's amazing. And that's why I think of, like, a Sergio Leone, like, a man with no name, you know what yeah. I mean? Where, like, Clint Eastwood enters the town and people start, like, like pull his hat off of his head and start throwing it around each other. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. And you know it's not going to end well for them because you know there's the man with no name <laughs> is the man with no name. Yeah. And it's the same with Max. Like, what I love about this movie is that at the start of the movie, it's called Mad Max. He's like the least important character in the movie in terms of the events that yeah. are going on. He is he is both literally and figuratively muzzled. Yeah, for the first like forty five minutes of the movie, and and it's, it's just like a spring waiting to you know you feel like you're sitting on a nuclear bomb waiting to go off. Can I, actually can I say something that's probably going to be overlooked a fair bit? The first like three minutes of the film, like the cold open, first of all him getting captured, but also just like. I can't even remember that well, but, like, the way that it was the voiceover and it was all the title sequence and everything with the titles coming up and everything, that, I was like, it felt very, it almost felt a little bit 80s, like I was playing an 80s video game or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was very cool. And I was, uh, it was, I was like, it almost threw me, but I'm like, this isn't how films start in 2015. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Judge like, Mill was like, I don't care how you do it in 2015. I'm making a film for whenever. Yeah, I'm making Miller film. Yeah, I'm making Miller film, <laughs> not 2015. Yeah, you want your 2015? You go out, you make your 2015. Yeah. I'm, I'm making Miller film. I'm making Miller film. And it was, uh, oh, it, yeah. I, um, Tom Hardy. What did you think of Tom Hardy? I, you know, I was, tr- I was trying to figure out the whole time because he talks so little, and as, as Max is meant to do. I was trying to figure out if he was trying to be Australian or not. His accent seemed to go a few different ways. Like, every yeah. time he opened his mouth, it was a new accent kind of thing. Like, the cool thing was all the Australian actors were blatantly Australian. Like, that yeah. was fine. And that was good. I liked that. It was, they probably turned up first day and be like, hey, boss, say Miller boss. What you want? He's like, <laughs> Miller boss? Yeah. We're making a Miller film. Yeah, I'm making a Miller film. <laughs> I'm a Miller boss. Hey, George. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> big George, big big Miller boss George, Daddy G, Daddy G, um, General Manager, Mill George Daddy, <laughs> Mill Daddy, gonna make you jump. <laughs> what you want? And he goes, he's like, mate, 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 
Just do what you do what you're doing, mate. Yeah. Yeah. All right, boss. Bloody corker. Yeah. All speaking Australian, and then you've got Charlie Theron, who was like, yeah, a bit of an, like a Nicholas Holt, and there's all these other people that are not Australian. And they just oh. kind of got to just do whatever voice they wanted a little bit. I know this is disgusting to say because I'm an Australian. And I'm not like a an embarrassed, what, what would you call it, like a self-hating Australian? Like a, a cultural cringe kind of yeah, thing? I, yeah, but I, I, like I, I love Australia and I will love it even more in 2016 when we get a new government. But... Um, <laughs> But there's something about the Australianness of the Mad Max movies gone by. More so, I don't, I don't know about number three. Number three was kind of, you know, I had Angry Anderson in it. I remember that. Mm. But, but I, I like there was something about it that kind of like set it apart, if you will. Mm. Like it was almost like there are movies and then there's Mad Max which is like a different kind of where I, I I don't know what I'm trying to explain I felt like this was the first time that we saw like the Mad Max universe is is like a like it's a it's a it's a place where people of the world live as opposed to you know your uncle and your auntie Sheila live you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's 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 not just specific to Australia. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's kind of like this is a feeling I get, and it might be an irrational feeling. But you're in the Mad Max universe, and all is dirty and barren and sandy. Mm. And you go up over the hill, and far off in the horizon is a city, and everyone's yeah. living fine. You know what I mean? Whereas in this one, in Fury Road, you get the sense that you are where the city used to be. Yeah, it's. I really like the escalation of the films in that yeah. it's, it's it's very it's not explicit at all. They don't explain it. It's just every film, everything's just been upped a little bit more. It's a bit a bit because I I saw I watched the trailer for, for Fury Road, having just like and I went back and watched number one and I went, there's such a disconnect here. Like what the hell? Like the well, what they they look crazy and they look like they're tribal gangs and they've got weird you know tattoos and whatever it is. That compared to what um, one looks like, that's weird. But then I w- went and watched two and three and I went, oh no, they actually step it up. Like everything becomes the post-apocalyptic. As it becomes more post, it becomes more apocalyptic. Oh, uh. See what I did there? But also with like the, the cars. See, what I thought you were talking about is like, hey, Barry, what car you got? I thought you meant that was in terms of the... Po- you meant like in terms of the filmmaking. They went, hey, we've got to make a film whose Barry's got a car. Is that yeah, what yeah, you yeah. meant? Yeah. Well, see, I well, was you- thinking of it in terms of... In the post-apocalyptic world, they're like, oh, well, we've got to survive. In Mad Max 1, like, the apocalypse has just happened or whatever. Who's got a car? Oh, Barry's got a car. Oh, yeah. And then in number two, they're like, Barry's car's great, but this bloody dickhead down the road, he's his car goes faster. We've got to mod Barry's car to make it. And so that's, again, the escalation. The cars get more wild. Yeah. The costumes get more wild. And the behaviour, although you've already, there's already some crazy barbarians in number one, but I really like that it's kind of like these small towns with like, there are police in number one, like Mad Max used to be a policeman. Yeah. And by number four, like, there are no police left. Yeah, nah. There is just the Citadel and there's all these different, uh, yeah, I kind of, I really like that because it's, uh, it's not like they've really built a whole world, but they've, they let you, oh, I really like that, that you can, you can fill in the blanks however you like. Like in I, a really nice way. I, there's a bit of Sergio Sergio Leone. There's also the other real vibe I get mm. uh, is Snake Plissken from Escape from New York. Okay, which is the uh, the Kurt Russell character, and he's got a um, uh, uh, an eye patch over one eye. He looks like that guy from Days of Our Lives. Patch, I think his name is. Yeah. Uh, but sna- we're talking about Snake. We're not talking about Patch. <laughs> uh, where it, the whole story behind Escape from New York is that New York is now a prison colony. Right. And it's like the rest of the world is good, and New York is just where people go when they are, you know, they're like they're sending Snake in. You know, he's got his own secret covert mission, and sna- it's you know, it's it's like a Riddick kind of thing of like send a villain to do a villainous. Right. You know, right. 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 Um, and that's, that's what I feel like with Mad Max is like, it's, it's like he, he's like a Kurt Russell-esque kind of guy that goes into a situation that any normal person would be dead within, you know, two seconds. 
and and he does he d- does get you know captured. He gets muzzled. He gets like a oh when they, he takes the hook out like that's been bleeding him oh, into yeah. the. Oh, oh. <laughs> Like, go go leave a man out in the middle of the desert, see how he survives. Go leave a man out in the middle of the desert that's just been having his blood drained and, a, like, a metal muscle on his face. Oh, yeah. Who survives that? Max survives that. I, I in the previous films, like, and, and, and particularly three, I remember at the start of the movie, and, and, and the same thing that we're talking about, like, M- Max does the three days and then he goes back to day one, then he does the three days and he goes yeah. back to one. Always at the start of a Mad Max movie, I always feel like he's a jerk. And because I know inevitably at the end he's going to end up saving, you know, the, the townspeople yeah. or whoever he, he runs into. He doesn't want to get involved. He never wants to get he involved. He never wants he to get involved. He doesn't care if you die. And it's, he's gone. And it's like, at the start of a movie, like, he's he's like, you know, no, I don't care about it. I'm like, you care, Max. Come on, stop wasting everyone's time, <laughs> you big jerk. Whereas in this movie, I thought it was really well handled that he's like, you know that he means fur- Furiosa no harm, mm. but he's got this thing on his head and he's got, like, the gun and he's got Nicholas Holt, like, strapped, you know, to his, you know, into the wherever. Yeah. And and like all he wants is the bolt cutters, and but you know that he can't trust these women, like in the sense that they don't know that he's not a threat. You yeah, know what I mean? That was the crazy. thing. was like, I just trust him. Max is fine. Oh, yeah. we've got to go through all this. And that's where I want him to get to the end of day three, Majora's Mask style, and get some sort of power up, like a fire arrow or like a card <laughs> that says, "I'm Max. I'm a good guy. I'm." I'm a Rokotansky. And then at the at start I'm of the- f- At the start of the fifth movie, you know, people come for Max and they're like, oh, we're going to get you, Max. And he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. And he pulls it out of his pocket. Go here somewhere. And then he presents the card, which is, I'm oh, Max. I'm a good guy. <laughs> I think um, I think the next film will be, uh, apparently, the, they kind of planned the fifth one to involve Furiosa again. Like, the next yeah. one is, like, titled Mad Max Furiosa or something. There's- so, I think they might actually revisit. I think we might see Nux again. I think we might yeah. see... What was Charlie's Throne's character's name? Uh, well, oh, you Fur- might have heard of it. Furiosa. It's Furiosa. Wow. 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 Just go back the last 12 seconds of that podcast. <laughs> Furiosa, Furiosa. Hey, what was Charlie Theron's character's name? I, it's that right on the, the tip of my tongue. Biggest brain fart that has ever occurred. <laughs> but, um, that's in, oh, wow. They're, like, I do, I did like the kind of feminist bent where, like, I can't, I don't know the first movie. I don't know if you've, you, you know this about me, Paul. I haven't seen the first movie. The Have first you movie not Max. seen the. Hey, Mac, um, Anthony. Yeah. How many of the Mad Max films have you seen? Well, I've seen three. Good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. There's only three of them, aren't there? There's four. Oh, okay. There's four now. So, which one haven't you seen? Uh, the, the first one. Oh, you haven't seen the first I one? I haven't seen the first oh, one. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Okay. Do you know, this is a tangent. I, as a kid, I had like these Sesame Street books and it's like- they. How come many in, of them have you read? I think there were like 12. How many have you read? I, I read them all. Oh, you read all of them? Yeah, okay, I read all of them. You've read all of the Sesame Street books. But it, it, it's like after the first issue, which gives you the Cookie Monster's recipe for cookie dough, the subsequent issues are like, now you remember that recipe I gave you back in issue one, remember? The only problem was as a kid, issue one went missing. So every time I'd like go through them and then be like, oh, great, Cookie Monster's turned things with cookie dough and he wants me to join in. And it's like, now, kids, you remember the recipe for cookie dough, don't you? <laughs> and and back then, you have to understand, kids, there was no such thing as the internet. That hadn't been invented yet. So, no cookies. <laughs> no cookies for Anthony. And I wonder if there's anything to do with that, that. Yeah, all of Mad Max is about cookies. <laughs> yeah, like, like, you know, I'm saying at the start of this episode, I'm saying, why is he called Mad Max? And everyone's like, oh, my God, he hasn't got the cookie dough recipe. That's what Anthony's well, wait, problem is. Wait, do you realise? Because his wife and child were killed. I get that. I Because they do it like a little recap at the start of two. Yeah. And it's like, that's all you need to know from one, And it's right? interesting they did, like, little flashbacks in his hallucinations. Yeah. To that as well, of his children, his child and his... Um, his wife getting run over, but they obviously reshot those scenes, which is kind of cool. And I, 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 I don't know if this is the wrong thing to say. It sounds callous the way I'm saying it, but I like that it still bothers him. 
Like, right, yeah. Like, you could very easily get to a number four and, like, it's George Clooney playing Mad Max and he's fine with it now. He's like, yeah, come on, Mr. Freeze, we're going to save the world, whatever. Whereas, like, <laughs> they've obviously gone, you know, the opposite direction, which is let's give him a bit of kooky. He's so know. mad. He's so mad. Can I just say, this film looked incredible. It was funny because we go on about, and then you might have noticed this, with you, I don't know when we last talked about it, but this idea that so many films these days are colour graded orange and teal. Orange and teal, yes. Blue and orange. Blue and orange. In case you don't want to know what teal is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because the the theory, the going theory of why that is, is because they're two opposite colours on the spectrum, so therefore they look pleasing to the eye to colour grade everything like that, but also because orange most closely fits the human skin colour, so when you're colour grading something, all the human skin becomes orange, everything else becomes blue, it's a bada-bing, bada-boom, you've colour graded your movie. Yeah. That's how it do- I think that's how they do it. They that's- just have Hades from Hercules going, bada-bing, bada-boom, and then you've got a, yeah. a colour graded film. This one, though, is that. It's exactly that, but yeah. I think in the best way possible, because oh. you're in the frickin' desert... What's more orange than the desert? Like, I look at the images and they're so beautiful and I don't even understand why. Like, I just want to eat the images. Oh, like those, the nighttime when everything's just blue and it's almost like silvery glistening. Yeah, and I couldn't figure out whether they'd shut that day for night, whether they'd shut it with a big light. But, like, there's one point where they're looking out over the whole desert and it's just beautiful blue. Like, it looks like it's lit up by some kind of insane J.R.R. Tolkien moon. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe it was shot during the day to get that effect. But I don't... I know I went off in this wild tangent before, i got to say. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen one, but number two... <laughs> number two is all about petrol. Yeah. Petrol is valuable. And I get the sense it's been a while since I've seen three, but number three is all about, like, power. Power is valuable, isn't mm. it? Mm. And there was, there's something to do with the, the children's. There were, there were children's there, and I don't know what the, what's going on with the children's. <laughs> there were children. But I, what I like about number four is that it's kind of the the women are valuable, but that isn't what the line is. The line is women are not things. Like when you go into the big, you know, vault that Papa Daddy Teeth has been keeping his women's in. Mm. There's a bit like they've written, you know, on the walls, you know, hey, we're not even things. Mm. I'm paraphrasing. What did they actually write? Women are, we are not things. Wasn't that something like we will not be part of your war or something like that? Oh, we will, yeah. War, we will not make warlords or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's kind of like a nice. It's it's almost like every Mad Max movie has to be something that's valuable in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I was just thinking because there's that woman who I assume is maybe his mother. I don't know who that older woman is, or maybe that's his original wife that yeah. is still there when when he goes looking for the. Oh for yeah, his, yeah, yeah. For his wives, and then he brings her along, and she's on life support. What happens to her in the film? Mm, that's a good. Well, is she what, left behind in the? Does she crash with everyone else in the, at the past? Does she? That's a good question. Like a lot of people are un, unaccounted for at the end of the movie. Like because you assume most of them have died or they're just cut off at the pass. Yeah, literally, and, and when they, literally cut off at the pass. And when they get like uh, the thing about the Citadel, like when Max is like, you know, here's a script. It says here in page thirty-seven <laughs> that we have to go back, and they're like, back. And he's like, yeah, we're going to go back straight straight through them. Same path, same exact everything. And they're like, well, if it says that in the script, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, everything was there in the scene. It was just like, could have been stronger, could have been. That's a real character moment of like, like, if people were to say no to Max, would he at that point go, okay, keep walking, you 160-day walk? I think he would. Yeah. I think he would. So is that, but then would they have their hallucinations of the little girl putting the hand on the forehead and they go, oh, Max, wait up. We'll follow you. Anyway, I, I don't know. I'm getting <laughs> off on that. Like, I, it's, a, it's a very well done movie. It's all in there and, and, and it's very action and visual and, it's and from go to woe. From it's go just, to woe. It's like, I was saying to you as we, as we left the cinema, I was like, 
anyone ever walking into a movie studio's office, like for a meeting and going, "Hey, I've got a film," and if they ask for more money than it took to make Mad Max, I think every movie executive from now on would be like, "Why?" Yeah, because if you're not going to make this. What are you doing for me? Yeah. Because it's are you, like... Are you making that? Are you making exactly that? Are you making Mad Max? Because otherwise, why would I give you this much money? Yeah. Uh, estimated, I think, about $100 million. And the thing is, like... Because, like, most action movies, it's like... Like, a bit of plot to have an excuse for some action. And then the action concludes. And let's have a bit of excuse of a plot for more action. This was just, like... Action. More action. So much action. Action that begets more action. Oh, look at this action. It's also plot, which means we get to have more action now. I like the way that character kind of gets revealed in the action. Like, you don't yes. you don't see anything about a modern Joe apart from he's a bit Darth Vader, he's gross under there, and then, you know, he finds out his women's is gone, and then he's on the chase, and on the way, he's got all this, you know, oh, wish I could have had that kid. Mm. Look at these other kids that I got. And and you're sort of taking from that and you're like, you write a Morton Joe story in your head from all the sort of little tidbits that are happening while cars are exploding around you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was really clever what they did. And and I loved the Nicholas Holt character when um, the, the thing I feel, feel is almost, uh, I almost missed in the first three movies, except for the first one, which I haven't seen, was the the humour. Like, there are jokes in there. Yeah, yeah. But it is, like, a very sort of... Whereas, like, seeing Nicholas Holt and, and the uh, Papa Joe is saying, you know, you put this bullet through their head and you will go to... Uh, was it, what is it? Ragnarok? No, Valhalla. 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 I will walk you personally. I'll walk you personally. And then he jumps on the truck and then like straight away like gets his chain stuck and <laughs> and, and, and and like a morning joe this big huge powerful warlord is just like oh and just shakes his head <laughs> i'm like that that was the point at which i was like this is my favorite mad max movie like if, if you could have somehow put an ending on that movie fury road that the truck was full of sand that would have been a perfect flawless mad max movie the truck was full of sand? Oh, my God. Are you giving away the ending to Mad Max 2 to me? Oh, I see. But, yeah, but that's that's like... I was like, that sounds familiar, but not in Fury Road. Not in Fury Road. In, in number two, yeah. and this is the reason I hold number two in such a high esteem, is there's the twist at the end. And I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen number two, but the truck is full of sand. Mm. Twist. Yes. And 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 by the time you find out that tr- the truck is full of sand, like you don't care. Like it, it's it. That's where the humor comes from. That's the Nicholas Holt gets his chain, st- you know, stuck on the end of like, like the the threat has passed. You see that revelation. You feel good about life. You know what I mean. And you're like, that is a movie that I am not sad that I watched. Mm. Can I say, um, good to see chastity belts on film. <laughs> I love that in a post-apocalyptic world, you're like, oh, pretty short of, short of water, short of uh, gasoline. But we definitely have the tools to, to create chastity belts. You know what I thought was beautiful? It was like, a Furiosa saying to the girls, Get, pick up what you need quickly and run. And one of the girls, just so passionate about the chastity belt situation that like, and and the truck is driving off without her, but she still takes the time to just stop and just give it a bit of a filthy kick. Great. Beautiful. I really liked how, what was the collective name for the, for the, the the wives? The The Vuvulino. No, no. For the, for the wives as opposed to the, the people. Oh, were they the Vuvulino? Who's the Vuvulino? Who's the I Bob thought that was Vuvulino? the tribe of people that they find. Ah, oh. that Charlie's Theron finds later on. Okay, so the wives are different. I could. Oh, am I wrong about that? No, that makes sense. Uh, Megan Gale was a Vuvulino. Oh, okay, she? yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's them. Oh, can I just say the the moment when they agree to all go back? She's the only one smiling, and it's like I realized that I hadn't seen a smile the entire movie, and it really throws me. 
Somehow Megan Gale smiling in that moment. I was like, oh, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine because she's excited. She's like, yeah, let's go kick some ass. But it's just it's just so out of place. Like, where were you like, oh, Megan, stop smiling. It's, it's weird. No, no one smiles in this film. I don't know. It was just funny. That was just, just a little moment that I picked out that was just like, oh. Okay, yeah, I guess I, I guess so. I like when people smile in this movie. Like, oh yeah, it's good. Like it's, Tom it Hardy's just... thumbs up from the <laughs> yeah. from the car. That's beautiful to me. Yeah. And it's like his thumb is not fully extended because he doesn't really care that much. But he's <laughs> oh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was gonna say about the wives. I really like how they kind of each had their own like like it easily a film like this could have just been like oh it's just for for women whatever just yeah. chuck them in the back of the truck like they all had their purpose they all had their role and they all had their own personalities like they actually wrote you know and they were characters for them it it's it sounds terrible to say like back in the 80s you mm. could attempt that same sort of thing and the women characters would be annoying and I don't know what was going wrong in the 80s. I don't know <laughs> why. Like, I remember Sigourney Weaver talking about Ripley and saying there are very few people that could actually write, like, the Ripley of the Alien series. Yeah. There are very few people that can actually write her properly because mm. a lot of people go, well, just write her, like, as though a man is speaking and then put the man words in her, you know, and, and write. And, and she, I think she talked about... They wrote her like a basketball coach, like, you know, all right, team, you know, listen up, you do this, you do that, whatever. And she's like, that's, you know, that's not Ripley. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, what, like, you will never know is how many drafts it took them to get those wives to be, like, incredible characters. Yeah, yeah. Where they, they like, like you see them, like the the reveal of them is perfect, which is like Max with like the the unconscious body over his shoulder and the gun. He's he's ready to you know <laughs> yeah. do some damage, and he rounds the corner and has these beautiful women hosing themselves down, <laughs> and it's like you couldn't do better than that. It was fantastic. <laughs> That was especially because I love like like if you're walking in the desert, there was all these mirages, yeah. and that's exactly the kind of mirage you'd be like, "Oh, this isn't real," and that, as if that's even happening in front of me. And again, that's like the kind of humor. Like I'm I'm glad that they brought that kind of humor into yeah. the Mad Max universe. Yeah. Uh, how's John Howard's foot? What's John Howard's foot? What's going on with the foot? Yeah. So John Howard, not not the former Australian Prime Minister, rather the actor that people may know from Sea Change, if they ever watched that, uh, the mayor of uh, the town in Sea Change, and and all these villains seem to have something like a red right hand is the trope where uh, they've got some physical deformity. Yeah. Now was he the was John Howard the one from Gas Town or Bullet Town? I like. That I think he was Gas Town. Yeah, I like that they've got because they had Barter Town in. Three. I think that's the first right. time. Yeah, I think that's the first time they've referred to a town as something town. Like I like that yeah. place names aren't important anymore. Well, was it Bullet Farm a Bullet Farm? Yeah, because I remember thinking to myself, "Do you grow the bullets on yeah, tr- little yeah. bullet trees? Like, what's going on there? Oh, was there maybe a gas town? Maybe it was Gas Town in number two. I can't remember. Oh, I'm gonna have to go back. Yeah, to yeah, two and three. But I really like that idea one. that that um. It's almost like what they where names kind of came from in the first place is that you know we've got our we've got our Paris and we've got our Melbourne and we've got our you know whatever places but now it's devolved down to it doesn't matter what it used to be called it doesn't matter if that was Sydney or Chicago or whatever it's like it's where the bullets are from yeah it's the bullet farm cuz i i think the bullet farm guy was the the guy that had his eyes the unfortunate eye business oh with the with the searchlight yeah, getting shot with this yeah that was amazing <laughs> Both, I think he's an, he must be an Australian actor as well. He was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that was that was. Good. I kind of there was something very cool about like these kind of old Austra- older Australian actors that we kind of you, they're kind of familiar because we've seen them in films or TV shows or whatever. We're not quite sure, you know, exactly what they're doing these days. And then George Miller called him away. Hey boys, <laughs> I got a movie for you. And then they yeah. come in and they get to play these awesome characters. These awesome like. Like yeah. mob bosses almost kind of thing. Like the five families. They're like, and I love the line. It was like, all this for a family dispute or whatever it was. Yeah. Family squabble. Well, d- well, the first time you see John Howard, like I, you see him first time and I didn't realize it was John Howard. And then the second time he pops up because he had the thing over his nose. Yeah. I'm like, at some point, 
like someone's going to punch him or he's going to, you know, he's going to need air or whatever. He's going to lift the thing up of his nose. He's probably going to be gross under there. Yeah. I'm like, that's where he's gross. And then, like, you never see under the weird thing on the sitting on his nose. Mm. But then the camera just suddenly pans down. Oh, my God. What is wrong <laughs> with his feet? Is it like gout or something? I don't know what that is. It's just suddenly a really just big, a big, fat foot. It's just a big foot. <laughs> What's what? such a big foot? Oh, uh, but yeah, yeah, it is. It is. That's true. What you're saying? Yeah. Ugh. So, like, I, like, I there are things about the story that that drove me nuts. Number one, I just thought, like, it was all there in that scene. Like, it was everything you needed to do, which is Max say, "Hey, what about over here?" And the girls go, "Yeah, okay." But I, I, I feel <laughs> that's like the one thing you keep coming back to. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like I feel like that scene. I, I wanted that to be sharper, mm. and and I, I would have forgiven. Like, I, I feel like the ending is you have your happy ending. You know what? I will say like because it's not that that was the original plan all along. They were never gonna. They weren't gonna like we'll get to this one place and then we'll walk for 160 days. It was we'll walk to this one place, the green place, and we'll have salvation, redemption. Yeah, well, there is the twist that, oh, you've just come through yeah. the green place. And so there's the, yeah, there is the element of they have... It's, like, out, it's like, out of grief and desperation that they decide to go through... Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, the story beats are there. It's in the movie. Yeah. And and a lot of people... Like, I'm I'm obviously the only one nitpicking. But it was to, to me, <laughs> like... Just, um, you know, I'm going to throw up some opposition to you. Oh, do, do, do. But there was something to me that was just unsatisfying about, like, this is a major turning point. And what it is, is Max going, you know what, I'm going to break character for a second to say... I reckon you should go do this other thing. Mm. And for the girls to go, oh, you know, cool. I mean, yeah, I'll admit it was a quick turnaround. Like, it was like, yeah. all right, Max got to go. Oh, no, he's not. But there was the whole thing. It was because his freaking dead child appeared in front of him. I went, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey like, daddy, have some empathy. Like, I, I, I eat that up. Like, uh, that's well placed. And that's, and then, like, when he pulls his bike up in front of the girls, and I'm like, oh, you know, shit's about to go down, fellas. This is going to be great. And he's like, pulls out a map and he goes, what about this? And they go, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? It was like, you expect some sort of impassion, like, if we go that way, we'll probably die. And Max goes, so we die. And then they go, oh, didn't think of that. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's. There was the, there was the line that someone's like, and how do you expect us to take the Citadel? And then he explains it. Yeah, like but, that. but like, uh, still, I don't feel like there's no drawbridge on the Citadel. There's no, you know, walls. There's no fortification. Like, like, well, there's the whole, there's the whole draw, like, there's, there is a, a drawbridge of sorts. There's the whole pulley system to get up into the mountain or whatever. You have to get lit. So, if they could penetrate that and then everybody else turned up, they'd be like, oh, suckers, we're up here, and then just pick them off. Oh. Yeah, I guess. But it's like, they have to be lit up. Yeah. It's but- like, when, when they, it's like, all we have to do is get to the Citadel. And when they get to the Citadel, there's already 70,000 people standing there at the Citadel. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're, they're not loyal servants of, of a modern Joe. But why are those... Ser- like, the only reason those servants are loyal is because they get water every now and then. Yeah. And a, a little bit of water. I'm saying they're not loyal servants. They hate a modern Joe. Well, they're doing that. At- the war boys, clearly. The ones with all the white with the black and the chrome on their... Yeah. In their mouths. <laughs> I yeah. love that as just a nice little thing, like them getting ready for war. They spray paint chrome on their mouths, on their teeth. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Anyway, it's kind of cool. And well, like Nicholas Holt does that at one point. I'm like, oh, he's about to die. And then he lives. And when I saw him in like the next scene, he's sad that he lives. Yeah. Like the whole time, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, get, get the chrome off your mouth. I wonder if they made like, in terms of, they actually made something that you could yeah. spray on. Ow. It was like a tasty silver. Yeah. That's, there's a makeup artist somewhere that read that in the script and went, oh my God, what are, what are you asking me to do, Miller Boss? Oh, I want that now. I want to buy some. I mean, you could never market it because it'd be quite dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> spray painting the wrong silver paint. But I want like vanilla spray paint. Num, 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 num. <laughs> yeah, I want you to have that too. Uh- <laughs> but uh, like, this is what I'm talking about is that like the first. 
should we, should we say half of the movie mm. is like it it is unapologetically an action movie and the story that is attached to that is so strong like mm. you get these characters and it's so strong and you lose nothing story wise th- that it is that action movie yeah and then like it's the the second half that it's like and it's not like a star trek into darkness second half where they go let's literally just become dickheads in the writer's room and make this movie into a terrible movie for the second half. My apologies to anyone who liked the second half of that movie. But um, I, I didn't. I don't know if that's clear. <laughs> um, but, it, like, so it doesn't go off the rails in the same way that Into Darkness goes off the rails. But I just feel like, you know, they put so much in that first half and then the second half, the action is still really strong. Like, they re- they still really know what they're doing there and, and they're driving it. Home. Like, the Nicholas Holt beat at the end with the Witness Me. Oh, my. I got goosebumps, Paul. <laughs> Goosebumps. I I named them Larry and Barry. (laughs) My (laughs) goosebumps. Um, But but, um, but so so that all of that stuff is still in there, and and at the end, you know, Charlize is is, Furiosa is giving Max a knowing wink, and and he's giving her a knowing wink, and he's you know as he's slipping off into the crowd. I like that. It's a great. It's a great ending. Yeah. But it was kind of like if the first half is like a hundred percent, like the second half is like a ninety eight percent. All right, all right. I did like at the ending where they're like they've got they put the car on the thing and they're lifting it up, everyone's celebrating, and they say, you know, Max is still on the ground. I kinda of feel like it'd be great if Furious was just like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> hey, come back here. What are you, what are you doing, buddy? Yeah, no, get the- why? I, th- I just looked around. You were here a second ago. And why doesn't he, like, you know, sooner or later, at the end of a Mad Max movie, couldn't he be all like, you know what? I pick this place. Well, usually, well, usually at the end of it, he'd be like, all right, well, now I want that car and I want all the gas I can carry and now I'm out of here. Yeah. But he leaves without his car because I guess his car is destroyed. Is that going to be number five? He gets his car back. Somehow, or he finds the he wreckage of his car. He always seems to have a similar car, whether it's yeah. supposed to be exactly the same car or not. I don't yeah. know, but yeah. it would be good the, to see him back with the car. This is my one gripe and, uh, uh, of, like, the the first three movies, I haven't seen number one, and, and this <laughs> one, number four as well, is that, like, it's a world running dangerously low on petrol, right? Except at no point do they... Stop driving. <laughs> At no point do they go, mm, maybe we shouldn't use so much petrol. Like, they use so much petrol. I think maybe it's not so much that there's a shortage of petrol. Well, there is. There's a finite amount. There's yeah. still there's a finite amount now, Yeah. Um, technically. I think it's more it's about who controls the petrol. So, to some people, there's no petrol. To some people, there's a lot. Oh, so it could be that gas is it gas town they're going to. So maybe that is actually a refinery. They're actually still pulling more gas out of the. But so they're in control. They can drive as much as they like. Yeah. So if you if you're talking about like say a, a gas refinery that used to produce I don't know how much gas they produce thousands of gallons or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got a fleet of I don't know twenty thirty cars. You know what I mean? Like it's not as much in yeah, comparison. Yeah. They're like oh we got you know if if you're trying to service an entire country with one gas refinery, say. Not saying that's realistic. Yep. And then you go down to being like, oh, we've just got like these 50 people that have cars. Yeah, that, that makes sense. All of yeah. a sudden you've got a lot more gas. I, I want to bring this up because if I don't bring this up on this episode, it's going to drive me nuts. All right. I read um, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, was actually one of the influences for James Cameron to make the original The Terminator. Ah. And I thought, isn't that interesting if you compare Mad Max Fury Road... Against Terminator Genesis, and it's like we haven't seen <laughs> Terminator Genesis in full yet, but like just the ju- just the trailer, and you uh, compare, for example, the practical effects of a Mad yeah. Max versus like the you know very CG fake Arnold, you know fake nineteen eighty four Arnold sort mm. of Terminators in that trailer. It's it's interesting to me. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Like yeah, it- there was the the only VFX shot, CGI shot, that was when that the big explosion at the end, and then the the well, steering well, wheel comes right at you. There's the storm as well. Oh yeah, like at, yeah. and and that's what I that's when the movie had me. Like uh, you know, 
you had me at a low movie. But what I really enjoyed was like they're driving to the storm and I'm like, this is the entire trailer and we've just seen it in 10 minutes. That was what, that's cool when the opening is the trailer. You're like, yeah. oh shit, we haven't seen this movie at all yet. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, very cool. Uh, the only other thing I was going to mention is how I kind of like how they almost put like chapter markings or something in each of them. Each it was all the it was the fades to black. I yeah. really liked that. It was just kind of a cool thing of like it was almost like gave the audience just a second to breathe. Yes, like yes. it was like ah! fade to black. Okay, we've got oh we're back on again. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but the fa- I don't know something about those fades to black. They were just very strong punctuation, kind of dividing up the movie. Which was nice, because when you have a movie that is basically one entire car chase for two hours, you need something to just, oh, just a bit of a breather. So that was quite nice. Bit of a fade to black. Yeah. Well, that, like, that's how I feel. I feel like I've exposed a lot of myself on this episode, Paul. You Mm. you know where I stand politically. You know what I (laughs) thought of the second Star Trek movie. Um, That first one, that Star Trek... You know, the J.J. Abrams one, the first one. That was very well done. Are you looking forward to Star... There's a thing, Star Wars... I mean, apparently J.J. Abrams, like, he was at a Comic-Con or something convention recently, and he just said practical effects, and it just got a round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean... So, I think if Star Wars can go back to lots of practical effects, it looks like Jurassic World and and, uh, Terminator don't, Terminator Genesis... Which is like, yeah, I mean, for what, whatever else you can say about Terminator Genesis, like to compare the two trailers, the Mad Max and the Terminator Genesis trailers, and you kind of say, while one is kind of taking something and, and updating it to 2015 in a really cool way, mm. another one seems to be kind of taking what was from the other movies and recreating it in a very, you know visual effectsy kind of way. Which I, I don't know. It remains to be seen what Genesis yeah, is going to we'll look see. like. We'll yeah, see. But uh, yeah, I think this has got to be a big thing for practical. Like, I guess Christopher Nolan also led that charge as well of kind of going, yeah. let's actually do the things. I yeah, and, and like IMAX versus 3D, where like Chris Nolan is like, oh, sorry, Christopher Nolan. It's like, please, uh, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 IMAX is my thing. And they're like, are you going to release really it in 3D, Christopher Nolan? And he's like, I'm going to release it at IMAX. I don't think you heard me the first time. Have you seen, like, they got a, I think it's uh, the new Avengers film. They get a film entirely in IMAX. That's in, that's going to be an impressive feat. Which is insane because technically, like Christopher Nolan said, you couldn't really do it because the problem is um, the IMAX machines, at least back when he was filming the Dark Knight movies... Uh, they're too noisy, so you yeah. can't really do up-close dialogue. So, I'm curious whether so, that's changed. Which is why when he was doing, like, the, the Dark Knight and whatever, and some scenes were in IMAX, they're all the action scenes. Yeah, exactly. Which are the ones you want as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So, it yeah. kind of works Because you add the sound effects in later and you don't need as as many loops. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's our movie autopsy for Mad Max Fury Road. I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I just... Like, it, it was like an action movie, first and foremost, and it was like a very strong story that sort of became kind of strong yeah. towards the end. Can I, can I also just mention that apparently men's rights activists have an issue with this movie? You're idiots. Well, well that kind of tells you that it's a good movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, you don't like this? It probably is pretty good. There was a, there was a great Mary Sue article about, like, people that were posting that this is some giant conspiracy to, like, you know, put in social justice warrior, <laughs> like, you know, uh, values into, like, a mainstream Hollywood film. How dare, how dare the idea of uh, gender equality be a mainstream idea? Yeah. <laughs> how dare we think that, that uh, women and men are, uh, should be on equal plane? And in a post-apocalyptic world, Anthony. That's disgusting. Like, I read that and it's like, you know, how dare that they say that... And, like, the most, you know, pro-feminist kind of value that this movie has, like, the tip of the scale is women are not things. Mm. And this person is outraged by that. They're like, oh, I wouldn't go that far. I reckon (laughs) they're things. Like, what what do you want in a... uh, Anyway, anyway. Also, they shoot people and it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Bang, bang.
hang back. <laughs> they shot them all down. These boots are made for walking, Paul. I was going to have a brother! <laughs> and he would have been perfect in every way! Hey, no, wait, wait, wait. Right. You know how we were going to end the episode here? Yeah. Look at this map. Yeah. <laughs> if you're actually getting... Yeah. Yeah. See, see this map? All right. I reckon just here. We just go there. I'll go back? Yeah, go back. Where go we? back to the start. Yeah. All right. Not circle around. I mean, go straight back. But wait, maybe I have some objection. No, okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> okay, I'll get I'll get the rig. You can tweet at us at Movie Autopsy on Twitter or also on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Please go and uh, subscribe to us if you haven't already. Subscribe on iTunes. Give us a rating or review. Give us like, a five star. Just like all the Mad Max reviews, give us a five star rating. Please. I think we're 98% worth it. If we aren't, I'll let us know in the review. Say, That's true. You, you would have got a five-star review, guys, if. Yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, my name's Paul Culliver. My name's Anthony McCormack. We'll see you next time. See you then. See you then.